Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to The Best Damn Camp, a Royal Universe read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Fran and welcome to the show. Today we continue our timeline journey with The Kane Chronicles, The Red Pyramid, Chapter 29, Zia Sets a Rendezvous, and Chapter 30, Bass Keeps a Promise, which are from Carter's point of view. As always I have my points to focus on, so today we've got fight scenes, relationships, and generally what I thought of it. But to begin, here's the synopsis. While practicing his sword fighting, Carter is visited by the ghost of future girlfriend Zia, who warns him that they're closing in. Not long after, the four head down to a nearby river to try and call for the goddess, but get a little more croc than they bargained for. Yes, I am impressed with myself for these puns and like little things here and there. I know they're not good, but I'm impressed to so leave me alone. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much the synopsis for these two chapters. Um, obviously we've got more coming in from the overview, but, um, before we dive into that, I just want to remind everyone that if you would like to buy my debut short story, which is the setup for the series that I'm working on, the Into the Wild series, uh, this short story, Echoes of the Past, is coming out February 23rd and is available for pre-orders. That will be in the episode show notes, so if you are interested, be sure to pre-order on um, all the available platforms. And if you've got a Kindle, don't worry, it will be coming to Kindle on the day it is released. Um, thank you all for your support, and let's get into the episode. So starting, of course, first with chapter 29, because 29 become, comes before 30. We have chapter 29, Zia sets a rendezvous. So this is the overview for chapter 29. Carter is questioning things about Desjardins after seeing him save all those people on a plane. Then we're told that their parents went above and beyond to protect them because they are the most powerful magicians in a long time. They could restore the house of life. They're that powerful. After being told they need to make a stop to prepare them for getting Set's name, Carter takes the time to practice sword fighting. It is then that Zia appears in a vision form and informs Carter that Desjardin knows where they're going and intends to stop them. Asking Carter to meet her in New Mexico to hopefully help them, Zia finishes off by telling him not to trust Amos before she disappears. Ooh, what's going on with Amos? We don't know. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's basically the overview for chapter 29. Quite a lot happens in this chapter and I'm, I'm pleased with what has occurred in. Um, I do just have a few things to put in for feedback-wise and then we'll just move on to the next bit. But... Um, I gotta say, I've got some issues in this chapter and I've got some positives. So first issue is that as per usual, 
I know this is from Carter's point of view, but you know, either way. I'm disappointed that Sadie isn't opening up to Carter and is keeping secrets from him. So in this chapter, we see that she's refusing to tell him or anyone about the conversation that she had with Anubis. So Carter doesn't even, like, he knows that she has the feather of truth, but he doesn't know that only she's allowed to use, she, like, he doesn't know anything, that like, she's keeping things deliberately from him. And I'm all, all I can think is, like, dude, how can you keep things from people? Like, that's not cool. Like, this is the second thing that she's keeping from him, because, like, she hasn't told them she was speaking to Iskandar, and now she's not telling them what she um, heard, uh, was told from Anubis or anything like that. So she hasn't said that Anubis is the son of Set and the son of Nephthys or anything like that. So they know nothing because Sadie is keeping it from them. And I am disappointed. Also, we get the continuation of the creep factor in the fact that we learn that Anubis deliberately made himself physically appealing to Sadie when to everyone else he had the head of a terrifying jackal because that's what gods have. Like, they don't they don't usually have a fully human form. That's like a main thing. Unless they have like a godling host, they usually keep the animal form of like having their animal head. So the fact that he made himself physically appealing to Sadie to basically draw her in and then having this terrifying jackal head for everyone else that like creeped Carter and like everyone else out. It, it's creepy on many levels and it's giving predator grooming. So, you know, that's fun. Uh, the one thing that I would like to say, um, just focusing on some more positives, is that I'm loving the fact that we do have Carter in this chapter training and being trained by Horace to an extent. Like, this is something that I've been complained about a little bit um, for this book, is that there's not really any interactions occurring with with like the main, with the main group. Uh, not with the main group. There's no interactions occurring between the kids and the gods. Like, the gods are hosting themselves within them, but they're not really kind of actually building a relationship so they can rely on one, each one another and that their skills together will be stronger. Like, that's not really happening. But now it is. Like, I love that <laughs> we're actually having Horace training Carter like saying hey you should hold the sword this way because it's better because that's how the sword is meant to be used um Carter taking this advice on um Horace having like a bit of a uh, conversation with him before obviously Zia interrupts but this obviously actually continues on in the next chapter as well like Horace is actually like there is a bond between the two of them where they're actually supporting and helping each other obviously of course Horace is still trying to take over Carter but like there is a balance of a sort occurring. I don't know, I just, I'm glad to finally see some, some growth in that bond between the Carter, uh, the Carters, the Kings and the gods. Um, additionally, very happy that Carter isn't allowing his crush on Zia to blind him into trusting her easily. Um, as well as the fact that also he notices that the fact that he doesn't fully trust her does hurt her feelings. But like, it is realistic and smart because of course he would trust her she is still chasing him with the people who want to kill him and his sister um though she does trust him she knows that like he's not a bad person and i like that but it's smart that he wouldn't fully be like hey you know i'll tell you my location like exact all these sort of things because that's 
dumb as well as the fact that he's not 100% sure about meeting her like he has like how can I trust you um and I mean she doesn't fully give a reason to trust her other than the fact that hey maybe I can help the other magicians see that you aren't a bad person and that we should be helping you to an extent um and the whole thing is that yeah she does trust him a little bit but she does still see him as a godling and as dangerous to an extent as well because godlings usually are so i think it's, it's a good mix and like mishmash of them both not fully trusting each other but also to an extent are trusting each other i know i just like that there's the initial development of this relationship in a way that actually makes sense narratively because of course we have the whole last week's debacle of the Sadie and Anubis situation so I'm just glad that we finally got something a little bit healthier a little bit better and just nicer as a whole but you know that's a conversation for later when we get to the relationships situation but let's move on to the next chapter now although maybe there is one thing that I should bring up the fact that okay the thing that Bass brought up about the fact that um, their parents sacrificed themselves is although they didn't intend to sacrifice themselves they were happy to do so because the Kane siblings are more powerful than ever before because not only are they two different bloodline bloodlines of Ferris but they're also just incredibly naturally powerful um, and because of that when they are able to this is a this is a good thing which is a hint for later on um, they can tap into the ability to find other pharaoh line magicians um, which could help restore the house of life because obviously as we've seen in earlier chapters the house of life is in a sense dwindling because they've not been able to recruit many magicians recently because they've not really been able to find any which is where the benefit of the Kane siblings comes in because because of their bloodline and because of their ancestry they will have the power to do so and I know I just I just really like there is further significance to this power of their their ancestral line being an additional thing for their power structure um although i i gotta say i'm not a fan of this whole blood of the pharaohs thing i just i would rather they did call it ancestry or ancestors or something like that instead of bloodlines i don't know it just there's something about it that just feels iffy to me but it just may i don't know i don't fully know why but it just does it just feels that way <laughs> But I don't really know why, so just ignore me at the same time. But yeah, sorry, we'll move on now to the next chapter of chapter 30, Bass Keeps a Promise. And here is the overview for chapter 30. We arrive in El Paso, Texas, a place near the Mexican River border, the perfect place to summon Nephthys. Of course, things aren't always that easy as something is off about the river and Nephthys is trapped in a sleeping host. Then all hell breaks loose when they are attacked by crocodiles, only to then face the king of crocs, Sobek. Sobek has joined a set because they are without a proper king, and Horus is not strong enough to hold that title anymore. Fighting desperately to protect an injured Sadie, Bass makes a sacrificial play and is extinguished from her muffin host. They've lost Bass, but all is not fully lost as Philip of Macedonia has returned, and so has Amos. Dun, 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 dun. No, that's not the one I won. It's like, oh, da, da, da. What's the one? 
What's the one? Like, that sounded a bit more like that Disney opening thing. Um, we just need whimsical, happy, but also kind of sad musical. I'm not musical, so I don't know why I'm trying. Let's stop. Let's stop, Fran. <laughs> Um, I've only got a little bit of feedback for this chapter because I'll get into most of it in in the next section. Now one thing I just I do want to pick up and this is just this is where some of Rick's weird writing choices comes in. So Carter sees you know um, immigrants he assumes from Mexico crossing the border um, in this case coming through the river it's like a parent two parents and their child no not two parents it's parents like a man and a woman and a child uh crossing the river and he's like oh wow i've not seen this happen before but i've heard about it but the way in which he describes them was like they looked a little bit ragged like they look poor but they look what was it they look poorer than the poorest of egyptian peasants so i'm sorry reading carter called poor people like very poor people peasants is so weird that it's just it just it stood out interesting i was like what what 14 year old boy (laughs) calls people peasants now i have a feeling it's due to the fact that obviously horace who is a king and prince is inside him and would see people like that as peasants but that's not given as a reason for why he thinks that and it's not really kind of pointed out as being like a weird thing for him to say but the moment i read it i was like really peasants (laughs) wow (laughs) and it just it threw me off a lot because that does not seem like something carter would call you know poor people like carter's a nice person why would he call someone a peasant that's just rude (laughs) um but just to go into just talking more about Carter this is this is officially the Carter defense podcast because my god people who read and like the King Chronicles don't like Carter seemingly like and I bring this up all the time like Sadie is a favorite I'm like I do not know why Carter is he for anyone who claims that Carter is boring and or useless I would like to direct you to chapter 30 of the Red Pyramid because not only in this section does he protect innocent people people who he just sees and it's just like okay there's a moment where like he was watching them and he turns to look at them and they've disappeared completely and the water is kind of a little bit like moving a little bit more in that area and immediately he tries to alert the others they they're not paying attention so he immediately then goes to go and look for them to help them he immediately goes to protect people even when he feels there's something wrong he then fights a crocodile (laughs) alone to protect these people that he doesn't know and then when Sadie is injured he continues to fight and put himself at risk to protect them and Sadie and like he doesn't give up like it was very difficult for him to stop fighting like he tried to he nearly burned himself up as we saw in this section to force himself back into his falcon avatar to help Bass fight Sobek and also to help protect these people like he doesn't give up like he will in a sense attempt to sacrifice himself to save others if you think that's boring I'm sorry you are boring that is that is braver than or anyone else other than obviously Bass because Bass is well she's a goddess but I feel like that doesn't count Carter has been the bravest person thus far 
but people are just like oh but he's so cautious I'm like have you not have you not read these books I feel like you've just read the first couple of chapters and been like oh he's so boring and cautious that's so sad I'm like well you clearly have not read the rest of the book being cautious does not equal boring being cautious is how you stay alive and also he still does put himself in dangerous situations to save people shut up um but moving on <laughs> from the card of defense um the only other thing i really want to mention about this chapter and this is kind of a little bit about the fight scenes in general but not at the same time it's more just to do with bast so the fact that bast is doing the sacrificial like play and is saying to tell their dad that she did like she did it that she never broke her promise to him of protecting them um like i really liked that scene and the main issue that i have with it is that this is not this is like the third or fourth time that bass has been a sacrificial play character like we've assumed that like bass is gone and, and or dead or possibly like just badly badly injured but she keeps coming back so like this time it, and admittedly this one has more weight because like the, the physical muff in the cat so the cat that we saw at the start as just in cat form no more bass has returned and the bass symbol that was around muffin the cat's sort of like neck on her collar is gone which means bass is no longer connected to muffin like there is more weight to that because you know bass is fully gone from muffin now like she's no longer connected to her host but it is still slightly undercut emotion wise from the fact that this is the third or fourth time that bass has seemingly been injured beyond possibility of repair and yet she kept coming back like i don't know it's just i feel like if if we hadn't have had this happen multiple times previously i'd have less issue with it if you get what i mean i don't know if i'm explaining that very well but hopefully people understand what i mean um but speaking of fighting let us get into the fight scene section because wow the fight between carter and the crocodiles is incredible like it's really really well written like you can see how it's all going um the fact that like carter is in a sense using what horace has taught him is channeling this power and it makes sense like you can picture how he's channeling this power to defeat this crocodile and then him and bass fighting together against sobek is just it just it's written in a way that is easy to picture easy to understand and see what they're doing and doesn't feel overpowered like it doesn't feel like this is an easy battle which i always felt happened a lot in percy jackson like this battle didn't feel easy because it was difficult for them we saw their struggle it was written it was shown in the writing not told like they were struggling but shown the physical like struggles that they were having of fighting this creature and i just i really i really like it i really like these fight scenes in this book just because i feel like you can really see them you can see the consequences of the fight as well like honestly the only complaint i have is the sort of inconsistencies that we've been getting throughout the book about the falcon avatar thing because earlier when he was fighting leroy 
it moved incredibly slowly like it was hard to like get the limbs to move a lot um to be able to fight this thing and now he can move really easily with it and admittedly even with his fight with Sadie when they were doing their practice fight it was moving kind of easily so it's kind of like a little inconsistent of like okay does it move slow or does it move fast like what is the situation here um I think we need to get a bit more of an idea on how this works to really picture what's happening in those scenes because why was it slow for Leroy and then it's not slow here like a little bit more of an understanding of how this falcon avatar works would be would be really useful but um that's kind of really the only complaint I have I have about that um the only other thing that I want to talk about is the relationships and I feel like I'm going to be a bit of a downer on the sibling relationship because I've said like I've said it so the first relationship is Sadie Kartra because of the siblings and like I know I've said it before but I will say it again Carter is showing more growth in opening up and protecting his sister than Sadie is returning. Like, his act of fighting to keep Sadie safe and a giant monster away from her just shows the lengths he'll go to to protect her. And unlike Sadie's thing with the feather where she says, oh yeah, no, I would sacrifice myself to save my brother. Oh my God, that's such a stupid thing to do. He doesn't say it was a bad idea or unwise for him to do this. He just does it because all he wants to do is protect her and keep her safe so that Kafu can help her get to safety. Now, there is no secondary thought of this is a bad idea, what I'm doing to save Sadie. There is none of that. It's just I must protect Sadie. I must save and help Sadie. That's all that's going on in his mind that's more growth with Carter than there is with Sadie like I do love the sibling banter that they do have of like Sadie kind of like being a bit of a dick (laughs) and Carter kind of doing the same back here and there like I don't get me wrong I do love that but just like here alone like even this with this one scene even if we ignored all the other gross moments that we've seen of Carter this here alone just shows more growth from the sibling relationship from Carter than Sadie like we've not gotten any other we've gotten no moments except private ones from Sadie but we have multiple visible like clear as day moments from Carter of him showing his love dedication and care to protecting and looking after Sadie I just want to see some of that in return I know she's also the younger sibling but also just being nice like don't keep things from him this is the this is the real issue that i'm having now is that sadie is lying and keeping things from her brother for reasons unknown there is no reason to keep what she learned from iskandar from him no reason at all because literally all iskandar did was say that he was wrong for not believing their parents and that he is sorry that he realized too late Carter would want to know that because it would prove further that their mum was a hero and that also it may even help heal some wounds of like other someone else recognizing that what happened to their mum was a tragedy that could have been avoided I do not understand why Sadie is keeping this from Carter and Millie I don't even get why that scene 
had Carter removed from it. Like, there was no reason for that whatsoever. Additionally, other than the ridiculous flirting stuff that happens with the Anubis and Seducine, the other information about the fact that Anubis is Set's son, that is important information. I just, and as well as the fact that only she is allowed to use the feather, that is also important information. I don't, I don't get why she's keeping this from him. And it's frustrating to me because it's just showing that this sibling relationship is one-sided. Only Carter seems to actually care about his sibling. Sadie, thus far, doesn't actually seem to show any care for her family. And that hurts. <laughs> That's actually really hurtful. Just reading that is, see, like, it's like, like, I don't even know how to describe it. But it, for anyone who has a sibling, I feel like you'd understand what I mean here of this idea that you've been, say you've been away from your sibling for a long period of time, like you've not been able to see them, you've become a little bit distant and one of them starts opening up and continues to open up and receives nothing in return. You can't, like, that would hurt, wouldn't it? And I truly do not understand why Sadie well I I half get it and then I half don't because obviously Sadie's the one who has the least amount of memories of her family because she was the youngest but if anything I feel at the same time that would give her more of a reason to open up because she doesn't know anything about Carter and yet Carter is doing all these things to protect her and look after her and you know all this sort of stuff and I don't know it just it makes no logical sense to me why Sadie is not working into this sibling relationship or pulling anything towards a sibling relationship but it could just be me it could just be me i don't know if anyone has any thoughts on this please do send me some comments um and the only other relationship i do want to talk about just to move on from something else is the fact that we have the carter and zia budding building of this relationship has begun and i'm very happy because it's being done very well and i appreciate it on so many levels and that's basically all i wanted to say <laughs> Um, and I don't know I just I like these chapters I like that we're seeing Carter have his moment in the sun so to speak of being able to be strong and powerful and have these this brilliant battle um, and show his softer side of the fact that like Bass has this moment of being like you I see you you kids as my kittens like I want to protect you yes it was because your dad ordered me to but also because I want to like you are my family now as well, and Carter getting choked up about that. Like, I love that. I want more of this. <laughs> um, and yeah, so actually for that, for this question of the episode, I want to ask, what did you think of Carter's fight with Sobek and of Carter as a character? Um, and obviously that'll be going up on our social media uh, to the day after this episode goes out. So um, looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this um yeah as always thank you all for joining me for these chapters be sure to join me next wednesday as we continue our world universe journey 
to plug where you can find our podcast we are available on spotify apple podcast audio boom stitcher and basically where we listen to your podcasts in the meantime between episodes you can find the best damn camp on various social media at best damn camp pod on instagram and twitter if you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode you can email the best damn camp at hotmail.com or if you want to support the podcast you can head over to the patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of fran which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks want more royal verse content check me out on youtube at a healthy dose of fran and if you want to support my writing career drop me a follow at a dose of fran on instagram twitter and tiktok again thank you all for tuning in as always i've been fran your very own hunter and i'll see just speak to you all next time bye